Our second scripture reading today continues the reading that Mike began in the 11th chapter of John with verses 20 through 44. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at the home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into this world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and calling for you. When she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, She knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen.
As we enter into the, uh, Lent, the narrative lectionary is taking us on a journey. It's taking on a, us on a journey through the final week of Jesus' life. And this week begins with the raising of Lazarus. With Jesus traveling to Bethany to see his beloved friends Mary and Martha and their sick brother Lazarus, who Jesus knows has died. And this, like last week, is a very rich text. In fact, one of my my, uh, preacher heroes, Craig Barnes, actually took this text and broke it into four or five different sermons and preached over it all throughout all of Lent. There's just so much to dig into. One of the more interesting scenes in this is when Jesus is talking to Martha. And Jesus says, haven't I told you that you will see your brother again? And Martha starts almost in what is a creedal response. Yes, I will see him on the day of the resurrection. You can almost hear her saying the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene's Creed, I believe in the life, the death, and the resurrection. But Jesus interrupts her. He says, no, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will never die, but have eternal life. And I think it's fitting that in this passage, Jesus interrupts Martha because sometimes God interrupts us. Sometimes the Spirit interrupts us. Sometimes life interrupts us. And God calls to us and speaks to us. When I write a sermon, I start months in advance. I go on a retreat for a day or two. I take the the upcoming season of the lectionary or the sermon series or whatever it is, and I I spend two days straight studying the text, diving into them exegetically, looking at different sources, and just jotting down pages of notes. And then I highlight four or five ideas that, that come to me, and I take those to the worship team, and we develop them, and that's where the sermon comes from. And then usually the week before, I begin working on the sermon and craft the sermon. But sometimes the Spirit interrupts. I had a couple of people joke this week, Chris, you better write the sermon. I know you think it's going to snow, but you don't want to be stuck without a sermon Sunday morning. And I did write the sermon. I finalize the sermon on Sunday mornings. I get here between 6 and 7, 7.15. And I take all my notes and all my thoughts and I organize them into my outline. But when I do that, the first thing I do is read the text. And today, one line just kept jumping out at me that had not been jumping to me before. Both Martha and Mary say to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. That had nothing to do with my sermon, but over and over that verse kept jumping out at me. Lord, if you had only been here. And so I went back to the notes that I did a couple of months ago, and I had highlighted that. It had spoken to me then. And I knew the Spirit was interrupting. We all know of the terrible tragedy that happened this past Wednesday, the shooting in Parkland in Florida. Of the 16 students and, and, and teachers who lost their lives. And I've been carrying this shooting with me as a burden It's affected me more than previous shootings, and I don't know why. 
It's not the first shooting this year. It's not the, the, the most tragic shooting. It's not the biggest numbers, the most lives lost, the youngest. I don't know if it's because of the picture that I saw on Ash Wednesday when it happened of the woman with the ash cross on her forehead comforting her friend who is grieving and mourning and wailing in her arms. And the thought that the ash is supposed to be a reminder of our mortality, but here she has a much deeper reminder of her mortality. I don't know if it's because this happened as I was finalizing our Ash Wednesday service and I kept getting a pop-up as the number announced dead kept rising. Like a dark ticker reminding me of what's going on. I don't know if it's because Thursday morning we got an email from Hannah's daycare that when they're closed tomorrow, they're going to be going to active shooter training for her daycare. And because of those, this has been weighing on me. And I've been carrying it. This week I saw a bumper sticker. I saw it posted on Facebook. I've seen it as t-shirts. And it said, God, how do you let these tragedies happen in our school? Signed, a concerned student. And then below that says, dear concerned student, it's because they won't allow me in. Signed, God. And I thought, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And I thought about that bumper sticker, that meme, that shirt, and what terrible theology that is. I thought that we worship a God who created the heavens and the earth. That to say that we don't let God into schools is to say that our our Congress, our Senate, our school boards, our principals can keep God out of anywhere. To say that we have power over God. And that's simply not true. Jesus could have been there with Lazarus. Jesus chose not to. Jesus had a plan, a purpose. To say that God was not in that school on Wednesday is to discount the faith of so many students and so many teachers. It's to discount the faith of the gym teacher who took students and hid them behind himself and took the bullets meant for them with his own body. To discount the man who lived out when Jesus said, there's no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. To say that God was not there on Wednesday is to say we have a God that doesn't care. As I was processing this and rereading the scripture through these lens, another verse jumped out at me. And it's one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Jesus began to weep. That's such a powerful verse. This passage, Jesus seems all so human. You would think that Jesus is too busy being the Messiah to have friends, but here he talks about his loved ones, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. You think of Jesus as being all-powerful, all-strong, but here, faced with the death of his friends, Jesus begins to weep. Jesus weeps that Lazarus is dead. 
And Jesus weeps in reaction to Martha, to Mary, to the Jews that were gathered there, there weeping and mourning. And it reminds us that when we are in the midst of tragedy, that God is there. God is present with us. When we weep, when we mourn, when we cry, God is weeping with us. God is crying with us. Jesus began to weep. I have no doubt that last Wednesday, God shed tears. God shed tears anytime we lose a loved one, whether it's to violence, to cancer, to car accidents. No matter what it might be, when we mourn, when we hurt, when we weep, God is there with us, loving us and crying with us, mourning with us. God is wrapping God's loving arms around us and enveloping us. When we tell of the nativity, when we tell of Christ's birth, we leave off the dark part of it. We talk about the wise men coming to see Jesus being stopped by Herod, finding out more about the Christ child. We talk about them going back a different route so that Herod won't be able to get Jesus' location out of him to find out who this newborn king is. But very rarely do we talk about or preach about what Herod does. That Herod has all of the male children below two years old killed to eliminate the threat of any potential king who might usurp him. We don't talk about how Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus had to flee to Egypt so that Jesus would be protected. You want to talk about tragedy? Talk about an entire generation of children being killed because a ruler is threatened. But even with that, Jesus is still there. Jesus is still Emmanuel. Jesus is still God with us. In the midst of this tragedy, God, Jesus is still present. God is still present through Christ. Friends, anytime we go through tragedy, God is there. God is loving us. God is wrapping God's arms around us. When we weep, when we mourn, when we gnash our teeth, God is right there with us. And we might not feel the comfort immediately because we need time to grieve. Even Jesus began to weep. This passage ends with Jesus calling Lazarus out of the tomb. And it's such uh, so real, so many little details added to it, like like uh, them saying, well, don't roll away the rock. It's been four days. You could already smell the stench. And Jesus says, roll it away. And then in a, he calls up to God and says, God, I know you can hear me, but I say this so that others will know I'm speaking to you. And then says, Lazarus, come out. And the man who is dead walks again. 
And he comes shuffling out, still bound in his grave clothes, still with the clothes around him, wrapping him in his face, in his hands, in his body. And then Jesus turns to the people there and says, unbind him and set him free. Unbind him and let him go. And I think it's important to note that Jesus doesn't unbind him. Jesus doesn't tell Lazarus to unbind him. Jesus tells the community there to unbind him. Jesus enlists the community in the resurrection. Jesus enlists the community in responding to the tragedy. To loose the cloths that are binding Lazarus in the tomb. To loose the cloths that are preventing Lazarus from having new life. And that's where we fit in. Yes, we are comforted by God's presence during our tragedies. But when our brothers and sisters are mourning and suffering and grieving, when our brothers and sisters go through tragedies, we are to be there for them. We are to unbind those that are binding them up. We are to unbind the cloths that are preventing them from experiencing new life. We are to reach out and comfort them and help them in whatever way we can. You are hear tales of this coming from Florida. You are hear people coming together to comfort the families, to support the community. You hear people reaching out, sending letters, visiting. And that's where you see God at work. And the comforters. And those reaching out in the body of Christ. Those who are helping to remove those claws that bind those who are grieving. Those who are removing the claws that are preventing them from realizing that there is new life. Friends, it's inevitable that in life you will experience tragedy. You'll experience loss. I hope and pray for each of us gathered here that's not a tragedy as experienced this past week. But we've all lost a friend, a brother, a sister, a parent, a child. We've all lost someone close to us. Some of us might have been through a difficult time with a job. Have had our our financial stability taken away from us. Some of us have had love lost, broken relationships, whether it be with a spouse, a lover, a parent, a friend. Hurt and pain is part of life. And Jesus cannot protect us from that. Jesus will not prevent that. Because it is part of life. It is part of the human condition. It is who we are. But when we experience tragedies, we know that God is there loving us, mourning with us, crying for us. 
And when we see our brothers and sisters experience tragedies, we know that Christ is calling on us as a community to help take place in the giving of new life, to unbind our people, to let them go. Amen.